Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So I want to speak this morning. We're asking for miracles, right? So I'm asking the Lord to keep it brief. We're not guaranteeing anything. Only God can guarantee like that. I've had this phrase running around in my heart this week, being carriers of the heart of the Father. And I want to talk about the heart of the Father and how we become carriers of it. Because whenever Father's heart encounters us, we're always changed and transformed. But we have to carry his heart. And as his people, he wants us to carry his heart and be those who can communicate it and encounter others with it. So Ephesians chapter 3 is going to be our text this morning. I'm going to start reading at verse 13 through 21. This is Paul's prayer by the Holy Spirit. And he's praying something very powerful. I love the book of Ephesians. You know, the reformer Martin Luther said that the book of Galatians was his wife. Because he loved it so much and spent so much time with it. I think that's a, that's a beautiful sentiment. That kind of sounds to me like David in Psalm 119. How I love your word. When I'm laying on my bed at night, I think about you until the morning breaks. You're more precious to me than thousands of silver and gold pieces. Like, I cannot get you off of my mind. What does that sound like? It sounds like he's having an affair. That's kind of a beautiful thing with the Word of God when it becomes a treasure like that to us. So I will begin to read here. I get off on tangents. You guys know that. So extend grace. Verse 13, Paul speaking, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. So Notice this, we don't usually read verse 13 in this context of the prayer, but I think it's important to understand where did Paul write the book of Ephesians from? He's in prison. He's been in prison for preaching the gospel and causing riots and all kinds of things that preachers do. He's in prison, so he's suffering. The Roman prisons were not fun places to visit. They didn't have playgrounds and softball fields. Usually... You're chained up. You can't get up to go to the bathroom. You just stay there. If you follow my drift, it's not nice. Chained to guards. So he's in prison. He's saying, look, instead of feel sorry for me because I'm in prison, he said, I, I really, guys, don't get discouraged because I'm in prison and I'm in chains here because this is actually going to work out for your good. Why is that, Paul? Because he's going to write his prison epistles when he's in there. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right, which have rocked a lot of people's worlds. This is going to turn out for your blessing even though I'm in prison. It's really okay. God's working his purposes anyway. So keep that in mind because that becomes important as we move into the topic. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So Father is creator, but he's also the ultimate father, is he not? Every good thing that we have as dads in us, we got from the father, who invented the family and fatherhood as well. Verse 
15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant to you, notice this is getting into the heart of the prayer, he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. So what is the resource that we have? Y'all have been a tough crowd this morning. Well, the resource that we have, the riches of his glory. What does that mean? Everything that he is and all of his resources now, he's turning them in your direction and he's aiming them at you. Something should happen, you think? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. This is the measure. Okay, father says, I'm only going to give you what I have in my bank account, nothing more. I'm only going to give you the fullness of all that I am and have as my resource, nothing else. You think it's going to be enough? Is it going to be enough? Is it going to be enough? All right, I'm going to have to get you guys riled up a little bit. I get Father's Day. How many ate too many pancakes this morning? Let's just fess up. We already had this word from the Lord about being free and washed from your sins and all that. So if gluttony is on the... Let's just go ahead and take care of that. I'm just saying, just saying... If it is, all right, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So he's getting down to the core of our being, our inner man, our heart, our spirit, the new man. He's going right to the core of who we are with the power of his spirit by the riches of his glory. You get the picture. There's something mighty that's happening that Paul is praying that's going to happen here. Well, what is the point of all this? 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All right, why do you pray for Christians that he already said are saints, that he already said are called and chosen in Christ? Why do you pray for Christians that Christ will dwell in their heart? I thought Jesus already was in their heart. Because the word dwell here doesn't just mean be there. It means be there as the permanent resident and owner and be in total control. So Paul's praying, the power of the Holy Spirit's going to work in you where he's going to drive out everything in you that is trying to usurp the rightful ownership of Jesus in your life. This is beautiful. This is powerful. He's working to do those things inside of you. And that, notice, here's where we're going. So I want to talk about the love of the Father, the Father's heart this morning. Okay, so here we're getting into these verses. If you'll follow with me carefully, your effort will be rewarded, okay? That you being rooted and grounded in love. What does rooted have to do with? When you think of roots, what do you think of? Not hair. You think of what? Trees, okay? What do roots serve to do in trees? They make them stable, right? When the wind blows, you know they've had experiments where they had complete gigantic indoor like parks where they were all enclosed and they grew trees in there and as the trees grew bigger, they would just fall over. You know why? Because they never had any wind to make their root system strong. They never needed it. And then when they got so heavy, they just fell over. It doesn't work. So the heart, I mean, a couple of lessons there. One is we need wind to blow us in our life to get our roots down deep. 
but the roots have to go down deep into someone and something. And what he's saying is our roots need to go down deep into the love of God. So they make a stable. What else do roots do? They draw up nourishment, right? And nutrition. They draw up life and sustenance. And then he uses this other um, figure of grounded. And this is a construction metaphor, okay? When you build a house, I've been around. I've not been a contractor. I have been a landscaper for a long time, so I know about roots. But I've seen lots of construction, thousands of homes being built. And I saw my own home being built. And the one thing that I never saw a customer get excited about a single time was the foundation of the house. I've heard people go in there all the time. They go, oh, I love the kitchen. I love the curtains. Oh, they're so beautiful windows. I love the paint color. But I never heard a lady say, that's the most beautiful foundation I've ever seen. That's awesome. That's got to be really strong. Never, never said that. But here's the point. If the foundation is weak, who cares what the kitchen looks like? It's going to collapse with the house. So if we're not rooted and grounded properly in what we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in, which is the love of the Father in Christ Jesus, if we're not rightly built and found, and listen, my experience over the years and decades as a believer is that a lot of Christians are not rooted well and grounded in the love of God. How do I know that? Well, A, one thing, I do a lot of counseling. The second thing is, just by hearing people talk, they question, I wonder if God really loves me. When things start to get hard in life and there's hard situations, then it's always, does God really love me? I don't even know if he really loves me. Go into sink into depression. Does this any of this sound familiar? Why not? Because we're properly rooted and grounded in the Father's love in Christ Jesus. It is phenomenally strong. The love of God is so strong and so durable. It will hold up against anything. And I want to remind you that the dude that is writing this is writing from prison. And if you read his resume, it'll make you shudder how much suffering he did. In fact, when Jesus called him and he said to Ananias, go and pray for him. He's a chosen instrument of mine that he might bear my name before kings and rulers for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. How do you like that calling? What's your calling? To suffer greatly for Jesus. That's my calling. I'm just going to suffer. Why was the suffering attached to his calling? Because when he's penetrating into the dark areas that have never had the light, there's going to be a lot of pushback. But he embraced that calling. Paul, what I love, one of the things I love so much about Paul, he's not a whiner. Dude, I won't read it just for the sake of time, but read 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 11 sometimes. Shipwreck, beaten with rods, 39 times. Like, how many times beaten, times without number, left for dead, right? They stoned him and left him for dead, and then the saints gathered around him, and the implication is they probably said, God, this guy's dead. You better raise him up from the dead. He got up, walked out, then they put him over the wall in a basket through the windows to get out of the city to go to the next place, right? This, this is a hard calling. He suffered greatly. Rooted and grounded in love. 
and that you may be able to comprehend, verse 18. This word comprehend doesn't just mean get it with a mental assent. It has the idea of taking hold of it for yourself. It's the word that the Greeks used when you captured a city and then you took possession of it. So he's not saying, I just want you to... So, Because here's the thing. All of us as believers have heard, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's great, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about such a rooting and grounding and revelation of the love of the Father in your life that it rocks your world. And that when you walk through the really hard stuff of life, that you stand strong, not in your own strength, but in grace that flows out of that love, knowing that he's got you in his hand, knowing that your purposes of your life and every single day has been ordered by him, and that there is grace and it is sufficient for you. Paul had the thorn in the flesh. What was it? Who cares? It was bad. He cried out to the Lord three times, Lord, please take it from me. The Lord said, no, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is something much better. I'm going to root you and ground you more deeply in me. And I'm going to give you grace every single moment and second so that you can walk through this thing and not faint and it not crush you. That's powerful. I know we don't like that kind of theology, but the Bible is full of it, right? Verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend. Take hold of it. He wants us to own it for ourselves. Notice this next phrase, with all the saints. What does that mean? He wants us to take hold of it with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? We'll talk about that in just a second. I want you to notice, he says with all the saints. We don't get a revelation of the Father's love and heart and get rooted and grounded in it by ourselves. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. There's no lone rangers in Jesus' church. They're all in community. And Paul said several times in the book of Ephesians, right, that we're all going to come to the unity of the faith so that we might all come to the maturity of, this, of the Son of God, of the fullness of the stature of who Jesus is. It's a community project. This really is. How does that work then, brother? No, I'm just going to go in my prayer closet, and I'm going to read Andrew Murray's book on the love of Christ, which I've done bunches of times. Okay, that's all good. That may be part of the process. But the real way that we learn how to get rooted and grounded in love is walking together with people that chafe us and irritate us every day. And we can't stand the way they chew out loud. You know what I mean? Or stupid stuff that chafes us and that makes us go, God, there's got to be more because my personality, I cannot take this. And so instead of avoiding that person and not looking at them, we embrace them and we actually befriend them. And we ask the Lord, what is it about this person that I can be a conduit of your love and of your blessing and of your grace to them? How can I bless them? And in doing that, we, come, we become so much of a better person, more of a Christ-like person, because we're not self-absorbed, worrying about where people irritate us. Now we're actually going into that place, and we're going to bring blessing with us into that place. So we learn how to love one another. And here's another truth. Not only do we 
get grounded in community that way, but also, and we've all experienced this, we get rooted and grounded in the love of the Father because of people in the body that he speaks to, to reach out to us and to speak a word that is gentle and piercing and powerful and beautiful, or to take out their wallet or their checkbook and go, here, the Lord told me to give you this. It marks us. We're, we're like Hagar. God sees me. I know this has happened to me multiple times, and I'm so thankful that I've had the opportunity to. Have you never given somebody money and they started to cry? Like, if you haven't, you should. Have you never prayed for the Lord to use you in the word of knowledge where nobody would see it, but he would just tell you the amount? Come on, this is the best way. Because it's free from the fanfare of people going, ooh, you really operate. No, ask the Lord, how much money do they need? Maybe it's $137.50. When you give them that check, their mind is blown. They're like, this is no coincidence. This is God. And, and let me tell you something. He marks them with his love. That's happened to me multiple occasions. My wife and I, I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. It's just a good story. We were poor. I started my business. Sucked at it. <laughs> it's the truth. I wasn't any good. My mama told me, you can do anything you want to, but she lied. <laughs> so I tried. I thought I was smart, and I thought I was going to be able to do it, but I, I was failing spectacularly. And we didn't have many expenses. Our rent back, I hate to tell you this because it hurt somebody's feelings, but our rent was $300 a month. Um, and we, our car payment was $213 a month. That's all really we had other than our suite. But we needed $1,500 by Monday, and it was Saturday night. We're laying in bed. Husbands and wives, you know how this is. You're laying in bed and you think about something, you start talking back and forth. You don't have to look at each other, you just talk. <laughs> you know, babe, we need $1,500 by Monday. Oh, wow. That seemed like an enormous amount of money because the year before that was 10% of what I earned for the whole year. It's a real thing. Business tycoon that I was. 60 hours a week. Oh, you made 15 grand. That's awesome. So we, we need $1,500. And my wife, being amazing, treasure that she is, that's a real thing. Babe, you are the, you are the best. She, she said, well, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. So that's easier for the wife than the husband. Why is that? Because the husband feels the pressure of he's got to make sure this bill's paid. Yeah, well, sure, let's pray. So I kind of thought like that. You know, it sounds really unspiritual when you go, no, I'm not going to pray. That won't do any good. You can't do that. So you go, sure, let's pray. And so we pray, Lord, we, you know we need $1,500 by Monday to pay our bills, and you've never let us go without being able to pay our bills. And so we went to church that next day on Sunday, 
And that church, we're down at the altar after, not just waiting on the Lord and praying. And we, we, we weren't begging God for the money. I mean, it's, there's a lot of people down there. I'm just saying. So somebody came up behind me, tapped me on the back. He said, hey, um, my wife and I um, just sold our house, and, and we just felt led to, to give you this check. And so I didn't really look at it at the time. We're just, we're just thanking the Lord and whatever. And then after a while, you know, you, you get curious. And so he peeked at the check, and it was $500. And you may go, oh, it wasn't 15 or No, it was. It was 500 And so we're like, Lord, thank you. That is you because, like, you put that on their heart because this is a way that you're marking me and you're establishing me and rooting me in your love and community because you spoke to somebody to give me to what I needed and only you knew. So then we went home and we were encouraged. And the next day, when the mail came, there was an envelope in there from the east coast of Florida. And the person said, hey, I was praying, I think it said on Thursday, and I felt like the Lord told me to send this to you. And it was a check for $1,000. And you can go, well, if it would have been 50000 no, that was like 50000 for us, for sure. Here's the thing. God, I'm still telling this. This is when we were in our early 20s, so that's at least 10 years ago. Um, so it has marked my life. It still marks my life. I'll still cry when I think about God's goodness. This is why we need community and the why that we're not going to get fully rooted and grounded in love by ourselves because we do it all together as the community of God. That's why I would ask all of you, be prayerful and sensitive like that. And, and you guys do really well at this. I'm just encouraging because this is so powerful. You can mark somebody's life forever and they'll tell the testimony to their grandkids of how God saw and he knew and he provided. No, and then you look at the grandkids and they're like, no, this is real. This is not TV. This is real. The Lord is real. That marks your life, and it marks your kids' and your grandkids' life. And this is how people get rooted and grounded in the love of God. This is part of the way. And he's calling all of us to be part of this because he wants us to know and to experience his love. So that's powerful. Let's, let's move on here. That we may be able to comprehend or take hold with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now this gets into the Holy Spirit having to make these things real to us, right? So why does he use length and width and height and breadth? Why, why does he use those terms? What do you think of when you think of those things? Nothing? Just totally blank. All right, that's a man answer. What are you thinking about nothing? Okay. When I say length, width, height, and breadth, how about the universe? How about the expanse of space that God created? Why did God create space with so much space in between the planets and the stars? It's stupid, right? I mean, you look at it like there's 
light years and billions of light years. How big is the universe? I don't know. Last time I checked was been a while ago. They said in the, in the NASA website, I think 50 billion light years is their estimate. But it keeps going up as they get better telescopes. That's a lot. A light year is a long time, and it's a long distance. So let me just throw out a couple of numbers, okay? Is that all right? I like, I like numbers. That's just the way I think. But a light year is roughly 6 trillion miles. 6 trillion miles. That's how far light can travel in a year. And when you say the universe is 50 billion times 6 trillion, somebody tell me real quick how many miles that is. It's, it might as well be infinite, right? And in between stars and in between planets, the space is gigantic. Why do you think God created that way? Because the heavens are telling of the glory of God and his message is, I'm huge. I'm huge. You have a little bitty need that's on the microscope scale and I'm huge. You have a little bitty trial that you're going through that's on a very small scale, even though to you it seems overwhelming. I get that. I'm not minimizing it. But he's saying, my love is the length and the breadth and the width and the depth. And I want you to get that Mack truck inside of your little matchbox brain. But you can't. Only the Holy Spirit can make that real and connect our heart to the fact of how huge his heart is for his people. It's massive. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So how do you know something that surpasses knowledge? Question. Good question. You don't unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and makes that thing real because the love of God and the love of the Father for his kids is so massively huge, immense, and powerful and impactful that without the Holy Spirit enabling us, we don't grasp it. Here's the thing, though. We get stuck as believers thinking, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, I know that, of course. I mean, we kind of dismiss it. Come on. Have you ever done this where somebody goes, you know, the Lord really loves you, you know what? Yeah, but I lost my job. Yeah, but the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, and, and you, you lost your job. You, you get the comparison. You're, you, things aren't being compared correctly there. When the love of the Father, I know I'm just using natural, this could mean anything, but here's the issue. The Father has promised that in His Son, Christ Jesus, that He is for us 100%. If He didn't spare His Son, this is the big thing. If I gave you my only Son, that He would be sacrificed for you, then what am I going to withhold from you? Am I going to withhold the microscopic thing? I've given you the lotto jackpot, and now I'm not going to give you 50 cents to get a drink. No, no, here's the thing. His love is such that he is doing in our lives the thing that is for our highest good and for his highest glory every time, 100% of the time. And so we can trust, but our problem is we get distracted, don't we? We ask the wrong question at the wrong place. So here's what we do. We go to our circumstance and we go, does the Father really love me? And what does your circumstance say? 
No, your circumstance says, obviously not very much. He knows I'm suffering here. He knows I'm without. He knows I'm lacking. He knows I'm hurting. So asking your circumstance isn't the right place because it's not telling you the truth. What else do we do? We go to our emotions. Anybody? Emotions? Does the Father really love you? Oh, heck no. If he did, he'd give me the car and the house that so-and-so has, and he would fix me, and he would all of these things. But they don't tell the truth. If you want to know the truth about the Father's love, you go ask the one who is the faithful and true witness, who is the Lamb of God, who shed his blood because the Father sent him to purchase for God with his blood men from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation and did not withhold anything. He's the one that will tell you the truth about the Father's love. You can't look at your circumstance and go, God doesn't really love me. That's delusional. No, he's already proved God has demonstrated, right? Romans 5.8, his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, meaning we were rebels against God. Like what C.S. Lewis says, when we come to God, we don't come as bad people trying to become good people. We come as rebels laying down our arms. That's what we do when we come to God. We're surrendering, saying, you are the Lord. I was an idiot, and now I want to be yours. Ask the Son of God. The insecurity, inconsistency, fragility, and weakness in our Christian lives largely comes from us not being gripped by the love of the Father in Christ. That's a pretty good statement. The insecurity, inconsistency, fragility, and weakness in our Christian lives largely comes from us not being gripped by the love of the Father in Christ. It takes the penetrating power of the Holy Spirit to show us. It takes a community living in that way where we all become conduits of his love towards each other and we also receive that makes that happen. I like what John said. 1 John 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God. Oh, no. We didn't initiate it. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if the father loves us like this, we ought also to love each other. You see the outflow there? We receive from the father his immense love. There's so much security in this. Folks, I have to tell you, and this is not a throwdown in any way, but the way the Lord drew me to himself like I didn't go to church for a year and a half. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know diddly squat. I was as dumb as a box of rocks. That's true. I didn't know anything. I just knew the Lord was drawing me, and I was crying out to him every day. God, draw me. God, help me. I'm so messed up. Can you please help me? You've heard the story. But here's what happened in that season. He revealed his love to me in such amazing ways disentangling all of the junk of the, that was twisted up inside of me that I knew he loved me. Like he revealed that to me, not in obviously totality, but I knew it beyond any shadow of a doubt. And the thing that surprised me was when I started going to a church, I went to an Assembly of God church, full gospel, I noticed that the majority of people, at least that I had anything to do with in that church, always were doubting the love of God for them. 
And I couldn't understand that. I'm like, really? How? How? How do you do that? Like, he drew you to himself. He saved you. He put his spirit inside of you. He gave it. Like, how, how do you doubt his love for you? Like, he's already done them. I mean, it didn't make sense for me as a young teenage believer. It didn't make sense. But I learned that a lot of times in church culture, we, we know how to do the thing and say the thing, right? We say the right thing. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. We can even sing about the love of the Father. But the reality of it gripping us changes our life. Look at the next verse. How do you know if you actually have a good, deep revelation of the love of the Father that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God? How many want to lift their hand and say, that's me totally? I get this as a community thing. So us as a community, here's what I want to go to. If you can believe the word of God, and I do. The test to see whether or not we really believe and have made it our own and we own it. The love of the Father in our life is that there would be an exploding fullness of God that's happening in our lives. Not just a fullness, but the fullness of God himself. Do you follow what I'm saying here? This is not just some kind of theory that we're going to go, oh, yeah, well, I had a class on the love of God, so I know all about that. It's not that. It's impossible to be a passive recipient of the love of the Father. We can be a passive listener. You can even be a passive student, right? Any students? You, you just got through your class and you don't remember. I had three years of French in high school, and I can't tell you diddly squat about French. That's being passive. That's just studying to get the test on. You know what I'm talking about. You just get the, I just got to get past this. Okay. You, you can do the love of God like that. You can sing the songs. You can hear it. But listen to me. When it's real and the Holy Spirit causes you to own it in your own heart through your experience with God, you can't just, it doesn't happen by osmosis. Hate to tell you this. You can't just read a book on it and then all of a sudden, it's the same. This is what I thought when I was a young believer. I'll just read books by E.M. Bounds and I'll be a stinking prayer warrior in two months. And the Lord was like, okay, I want to see this. <laughs> Go for it. So I, I vowed immediately, I'm going to pray for two hours a day. And that lasted for about a day. <laughs> and then I, I kept reading and I thought, well, if I do that, then it's just going to happen. And that's not how it works, right? You know that. But in our walk with the Lord, there is a place. Can, can I just ask you to be honest and consider where you're at now in that confidence level where the rooting and the grounding of your soul and your life in the Father's love, where, 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 how big is the gap between that and what Paul's talking about and praying here in verse 19? That the fullness of who God is would be exploding in your life. This is not a condemnation. But what this is and what I don't want to happen is you go, oh, yeah, God loves me, blah. No. Because people that are rooted in the love of God change the world. They change the world. They're the ones who stand up for Jesus when they know they're going to be martyred. They're the ones who proclaim the gospel when they know their house is going to be burnt down. They're the ones who stand up for truth when they know that they're going to pay a price because they know that their inheritance is not in this life and in these things and that their life is not even precious. I love Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. All the prophetic churches along the way, everybody's calling up. Hey, I think I've got a word for you, Paul. Okay, what is it? The Holy Spirit says that bonds and afflictions await you in Jerusalem. Dude, don't go there. 
right? They're all saying the same thing. And Paul says, his friends are saying, please don't go. We know it's going to be bad there. And Paul says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart like this? I'm not only ready to go to Jerusalem and bear witness, but to die there for Jesus. Because this is what he called me for. This is my moment. You're not going to take away the blazing glory that I'm going out in. I'm not going out in a mud puddle. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. What a way to go. Paul said that his life was like a drink offering. It's so beautiful at the end of Timothy, the last book he wrote, 2 Timothy. I'm almost ready to be poured out as a drink offering. How beautiful of a picture. Because the drink offering was the grand finale of the whole burnt offering where the whole ox was offered to the Lord. Most offerings, the priest and the offerer got something. Whole burnt offering, only God. Everything burned to the Lord, sweet-smelling aroma. And at the end of that, that's the way Paul looked at his life. Everything, Lord, is on the altar. It's all yours. It's for you, 100%. And at the end of his life, he said, I'm like the drink offering getting ready to be poured out. Expensive wine, expensive spices, myrrh. You, you couldn't duplicate it or it was death penalty. Like, you don't try to copy this. You pour that out at the altar and only God gets it. It goes into the ground. What a beautiful way to go out. Not with one foot in the world and one foot, no. That's what's going to be a glorious entrance into the kingdom. Jesus, 100%, I'm yours. That's beautiful. That's powerful. People that are rooted in the love of the Father. If you're prone to discouragement, and I've been there, I've been there for sure. A lot of you know, I share it openly. I'm an open book. People say I overshare. I don't care. <laughs> this is not a profession to me at all. This is a passion. This is a calling. But I, I get it. But here's the thing. If we keep our focus on the Lord, he'll root us. He'll help us. He'll lift us up. And he will. Here's the thing. Read Romans 8 lately? Here's the paradox. We are sent out as sheep to the slaughter every day. This is Paul's testimony of his own ministry. Yet in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through the love of Christ. How is it that sheep overwhelmingly conquer when they're sent out to the slaughter? Because even if they do die, their life is given as a beautiful offering of worship to the one who gave them life. And they have testified powerfully that the most important thing to me in life is not saving my life and not enjoying my life here. But it's surrendering and worshiping the Lord with everything that I am. That's beautiful. That's what Christians are. I had more. I'm going to stop there. I want to read you just this statement. And we're going to, we're going to pray for each other just briefly. This is Jonathan Edwards. The Lord used him to be the catalyst for the first great awakening that literally changed this whole nation in the 1730s and 40s. 
When he was a young man at 19, 20 years old, he wrote his resolutions. And those were the convictions that he was going to live his Christian life by. And he was a Puritan preacher. So you might think, oh, they were the harsh and the holiness and all. Yeah, they, they were all about God's majesty for sure. But, but here's one of his resolutions. This is number 25 that he wrote. And I have embraced this because it's so powerful. And I've wondered with Edwards, like, this dude here, he's like, he's recognized even today as probably one of the greatest intellectuals that this country has ever produced, bar none. He, his writings are crazy. Um, he knew about everything. And uh, he wrote so much. Anyway, won't go on with that. But Edwards was an amazing guy. Um, Here's, here's his re resolution. Number 25. Resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is that causes me to doubt the love of God, even the least little bit, and then to direct all my forces against it. What is that in me, that nagging thing that keeps me from fully resting in, trusting in, abandoning myself to the love of the Father. What is that thing that makes me hold back? Edward says, I'm going to examine that thing, and whatever that thing is, I'm going to go after it to kill it. Why? Because at the heart and soul of our relationship with the Father, if you think he's only 99% for you, every single time you go through a hard time, the devil will go, this is the 1%. This is the 1%. You have to know that he said, if I didn't spare my own son, Romans 8.32, but delivered him up for us all, Paul said, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? That's a 100% commitment. Once we came to him, he's not holding back. He's for us. That doesn't mean he gives us everything we want, just like you don't give your kid the cookie at Publix when he cries for it every time because it's not good for him. The Lord's a good father. He's about loving us well, and he's about bringing us to maturity as sons and daughters. And he's really good. We can trust him with a whole heart. Wherever our trust is waning in his love, we need to examine that thing and to go after it. So I want to ask you to stand, and we're going to do this in closing. I want you to, everybody, I, I'm asking for 100% participation here. Please pray for somebody next to you. You can go on the left and the right. I'll pray out loud, and, and I want you guys, let's pray for each other. What are we praying we're praying that we will be able to comprehend the same thing that Paul prayed here, that we'll be able to make it our own. The love of the Father will grow in depth in our lives, and we will not be the same after this day. All right, you with me? Okay, let's pray for the person next to us. Father, thank you for the amazing revelation of the love that you have shown in your Son. Thank you for the brother and the sister that I pray for now. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would pierce down to the deepest parts of them and that you would up earth, uh, uproot and unearth anything that is a hindrance to them, fully trusting and knowing your love for them and having confidence in you completely. 
Lord, would you unearth that thing and would you reveal it by your spirit and would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit and your revelation, would you impart into their heart a deeper rooting, a deeper realization, a deeper comprehension and a deeper owning of the fact that they are well and perfectly loved by the Father and that nothing in their life is spinning out of control. Nothing in their life is spinning out of control and nothing that they need is beyond the resources of the riches of your glory. Lord, would you instill the depth of this confidence inside of us and help us to walk as different people, even if it's just a little bit incrementally. I know that's how we grow. But Father, I pray that you would do something that would be spiritual and eternal in every heart in this body. Lord, would you cause us as a body to rise up and together, as you say in your word, to grow in this confidence and to grow in depth in the love of the Father for us in Christ Jesus. Let us be a different people. Let love flow more freely, Father. Let us all, we just volunteer again to be the conduit of your flow of love to those around us. We volunteer again, Lord, because you've called us to this, joyfully saying yes to you. We will be a conduit of a, a loving word, of a strengthening word, of even a word of truth and correction or a financial gift or a blessing, whatever we can do to strengthen and to build your body. Lord, we volunteer again to do that. Make this place a place where your love grows and flows freely. We pray. We thank you, Father, for your great heart. We are nothing without you. You have on your own initiative because of the greatness of your love. You found us when we were dead, and you breathed the breath of life into us and drew us to yourself. We're so grateful. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.